Travel Light, part one. I am excited to dive in. Over, this, over these three weeks, we're going to talk about letting go of the things in our life that are keeping us from living the life that God wants us to live. I think this is a series that probably connects with a new year, but what better time, instead of waiting till January to make a new start right here in, right here in December, letting go of things. And I don't know what it is for you. This resonates with me. Maybe there's areas of your life. Maybe it's fear. Maybe there's failures from your past that just keep plaguing you and reminding you of how you failed and how you've blown it. Maybe there's brokenness. I think for some of us, uh, another one that's huge is, is bitterness. Maybe there's somebody or something in your life recently that has caused your heart to get bitter that you just can't seem to shake. A conversation you had, uh, a situation that you went through. Now this, the enemy's goal in our life is to attach baggage to our identity. And I think we have to make a decision that just because I walk through something doesn't mean that's who I am. I have to disconnect who I am in Christ from what I've been through. Can somebody say amen? The enemy wants to remind you of your past, your brokenness, your bitterness, your failure. But God wants to remind us that we are chosen, that we are called, that we are a new creation. And we, we are completely forgiven of our past, of our sins. And today is a new day to walk in his grace and mercy. So today I want to kick this series off, talk about this idea, letting go of fear. Letting go of fear. I think sometimes it's hard to, to let go of, of the baggage in our life. And I, I think one of the ways that it just resonated with me as I was thinking about the message this week, I was reminded of when we were first married, Jen and I, we didn't have anything. We were just living on love, everybody, 21 years old. And uh, I remember we were so open to receiving things that, you know, when you, when you tell people you don't have anything, they, they think of all the things that they don't need or don't want anymore and they freely offer them to you. And so we moved to Ocala, our first uh, ministry opportunity. And I remember we had this small apartment. We were talking about it this week. We had all this hand-me-down furniture and things from, from I mean, just every place imaginable. Man, we, one set of grandparents had given us a little chair for the living room. Uh, another grandmother had given us this big, large coffee table that consumed about half the, the whole living room. Somebody else had given us dining, a dining room table, but they didn't give us chairs, so we didn't have chairs. We just had a dining room table. We never ate at it. I don't even know why we had it. We just looked at it. Just, just, had, just had stuff. And over the first few years of marriage, we moved several times, a few different churches that we served in. And amazingly, you know, we just, we collected stuff. And you're always reminded of the stuff that you collect when you go to move. And it's amazing. We moved so many times in such a short time that I remember some of the stuff that we moved to one house never un got unboxed. And so when we went to move again, there was that box that we had packed up like two years ago. In particular, there's this one box that's special to Jen. There's actually two or three of them. And on the top, it's labeled Keepsakes. 15 years in, I still don't know what's in keepsakes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think till I get to heaven I'm ever going to know what is in keepsake. I think at this point all there is is just dead cockroaches inside keepsakes. But for some reason, we keep moving that box. And we have for 15 years, we've moved it from one place to the next over and over. And we, we, we never go in it. We just keep it. 
And I think that's the way our spiritual lives are a lot of times. As that we move from one season to the next, from one place to the next, expecting things to get better, expecting to grow, expecting our lives to change, but we're keeping everything. We're keeping all the baggage and the issues and the brokenness and the painful relationship. And we're still holding on to the divorce and, and holding on to what didn't work out and the dream that didn't go as we planned. We're saying, God, I, I want your best for my life, yet we're holding on to all the baggage. And what if we traveled light today? What if we let go of fear? And I don't know how this connects to you, but I, I, my prayer for somebody in the room that's struggling to sleep at night, it's struggling because you don't feel like you add up to the people in your life. That you're struggling because you feel like your life is out of control. My prayer today is that God, his perfect peace would just fill your heart. That he would remind you that I have you in the palm of my hand. That I'm taking care of every need. That I'm with you even in the most difficult situation. And even though the storm is raging in your life, I am in the boat, and as long as I'm in the boat, everything is going to be okay. Can somebody say amen? Amen. We, we can rest in God's peace. And so let's take it to the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1. I love this. We'll set it up. Verse 18, it says this. This was how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. His mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they were married, she found out that she was going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was a man who always did what was right. But he did not want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he made plans to break the engagement privately. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, descendant of David, I love this, do not be afraid, for it is by the Holy Spirit that she has conceived. She will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The first thing that the angel reminds Joseph of in the story is this, don't be afraid. Now, I don't know if you've had any angels show up in your dreams this week, show up in your bedroom. I don't know if your life has totally been flipped upside down. I don't know if you have a child that you weren't expecting showing up. But I believe this, that all of us are walking through situations and seasons in our life that didn't go as we planned Maybe it didn't work out the way we thought they would. And it's created fear. It's created fear. You know what I love about God's word is almost every time you see God say, do not be afraid, almost every time you see right after it, for I am with you. For I am with you. I, I love that promise is that in the face of fear, I can trust that God is with me, that God is for me. If, if God be for me, who can be against me? God, I rest in who you are and I trust your plan and that you know what's going on in my life. So I replace fear with faith. I think there's a couple of things in our life that oftentimes can create fear. If you're token, taking notes, I think number one is this. It's the fear of criticism. It's the fear of criticism. It's the question, what are people going to think? What are they, they going to think when I step out in faith? Or, or how do they feel about me? You know, so often I have to remind myself, man, years from now, no, they're not going to know and they're not going to care. Can, can I just remind you, 100, 100 years from now, nobody, no one will remember you. I just want to encourage you this morning. Have a great day. We will see you <laughs> next week. No, no one. 
And even if they do, by slight chance, remember your name, they won't remember what you posted on Facebook. They won't even remember Facebook. There won't be a Facebook. They, they, they won't remember whether you uh, had an Android or whether you had an iPhone. They won't remember, you know, that painful decision you make to pick the color on the outside of your house. Or, or all the time you spent agonizing over which vehicle you should get and how much gas mileage it has and, and all the good benefits of the car and all the things that create anxiety. They're not going to remember all those little details about which savings account you picked out or what retirement account and how many kids you had. All the things that cripple us in the now, in the long, in the long run. They, they won't mean a whole lot. But so often, and this is so the, uh, the case for me, is I let criticism cripple my life. I let what people think get too deep into my heart. And I forget, it was 2012, and we had just moved to New Tampa. Had this dream in our heart to plant a life-giving church. And I, I was doing my best to try to connect and meet as many people as, as I could. And I, I'll never forget one day I was in a pastor's meeting at Wesley Chapel. I was trying to build rapport and relationship with some of the other guys in the community. I'll never forget that day. I had the opportunity, small group, maybe eight to ten pastors in the room. I just started sharing my heart. I said, you know, I feel like God wants to, and I was doing it in a way that I was trying to connect arms and make sure that other churches knew that we had a heart for the community and, and doing this together. And I said, you know, I just feel like God's putting this dream in my heart to plant a life-giving church. We picked out a school, and this is where we're going to be. And I'll never forget the guy sitting on my right later in the conversation he said, yeah, man, it's a real hard place planning, planning a church in, in Wesley Chapel. He said, Wesley Chapel is considered the graveyard of church plants. I thought, man, I need to hang out with you more often, buddy. I mean, when, when can we get together again? I'm, I can still remember those words. They sink so deep into my, my spirit. And there was this righteous anger that made me just feel like, I didn't do it in the physical, but I wanted to just slap the guy, <laughs> to be honest. Like, my spiritual level just kind of went right out the, the window in that moment. I thought, dude, I mean, you can confess that if you want to, but I'm not here by happenstance. I really believe that God has called me to start a church to reach people and help see people's lives change with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? I, I, really, I really don't care a bit about what you think about church plans being the graveyard. If God has called me here, we're going to do it. And by God's grace, we're going to do it to the best of our ability. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mr. Critic, get out of my way. And I think, I don't know who's standing in your way. I don't know who's telling you you're a loser or less than or you can't be all that God's called you to be. But I'm going to choose to believe what God says about me instead of what people say about me. Amen? I'm not going to walk based on the critic's view of my life. I'm going to walk in God's plan for my life. There's victory in that place. There's peace in that place. You know what? Sometimes it takes a little faith, but God is with us every step of the way. So I'm not going to let my life be overwhelmed with criticism. I think another fear we deal with is the fear of losing control. The fear of losing control. Criticism is one, but, but this is another big one. Because, man, we like to have a tight fist on life to know that things are going the way that we want them to and working out the way we had hoped. 
A couple of things I think we really like to control in our life. Number one is people. Maybe for you, it's your spouse. Manage their finances. Manage where they are. You, it just makes you feel safe to know you're in control. Maybe for some of us in the room, it's controlling our kids. That's a whole message series that we'll say for another time. So often we struggle because they make choices that we know they're going to create pain in their life. And we try to do everything we can to pour wisdom into it. But when they don't do what we say, man, it creates fear and anxiety in our heart. And so often instead of releasing them to God and trusting that he knows best, we, we try to control situations. I think another thing we control is our image. Because we love to let people perceive and see us in a way that makes us look good. The way this resonates with me, I don't know if you've done this this season, I think a lot of people do during the Christmas time, is, is go get some type of family picture. If you haven't done it yet, save yourself the trouble. Just come to church next week, we'll do it for you, all right? Right here, right here. We get your family picture, you can send your card out to all your family, you'll be done. But we did this a couple of weeks ago. We like to do it about every year creates a good memory put on the wall and send to our family and I don't know how it works in your house but on the way to get family pictures we do kind of like a locker room talk in the car it's Jen and I versus the boys in the back seat and we go ahead and make bargaining agreements with them this is how it went for us it was like guys if if you want this to be stress-free and pain-free the more you give us your good smiles, the quicker this will go. And, and, and the smoother you make this go for us, the better your dessert is going to be as soon as we're done. Right? Any other parents in the room, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just do whatever you can to make sure that you get one picture that lets the whole world know that your life is really good. I mean... You go get haircuts the day, I mean, that's what we did. You go get your boys' haircuts the day you get family pictures. It's the only time you ever do their hair, but you do it because you want it to look right on the photo. Because you want the image to be good. I think we struggle with this. This, this deal of, of control and having control in our life. Here, let me tell you this morning. We don't get to choose how many years we live, but we get to choose how much life we have in the years. We don't get to choose this face right here, but we get to choose the smile we have on our face. We don't get to choose and control the world around us. We do get to control what's going on inside our mind. Hey, God, help us to release the things that we can't control. Fear of criticism, fear of losing control. Number three, the fear of change. This is huge because God turns Joseph and Mary's world upside down. It wasn't the way they expected it to go. They were looking for a king and God sent them a baby. It was a big change. They, they, they were saving themselves to do things God's way. And here, he, he created a baby inside their womb in a miraculous way. It, it wasn't the way they saw. It, it, it was a change that was bigger than they could understand. But I got to trust that God's ways are higher than my ways. And even when it doesn't go the way I hope, God, you're still in control. There's somebody in the room that's hoping for a baby that maybe hasn't experienced it in the timing that you'd hope. God's still in control. Maybe you haven't retired as quickly as you'd hoped you'd retire. God's still in control. Maybe that job promotion hasn't worked out exactly the way you'd hope, but maybe God has something on the other side that's better, and he's just created a pathway that you didn't even know about. 
He's actually put maybe frustration in your life to move you in a direction you didn't even know was, was going to be an opportunity. God knows what's going on in our life. We just got to trust him with every change and every detail. I love what Maya Angelou says. She says this, if you don't like something, change it. But if you can't change it, just change your attitude. Just go ahead and change what you can. Control what you can. What's going on on the inside? God, I give that to you. I love what Timothy says. He says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So God, I'm not going to live in fear, but I'm going to live in faith. I'm going to walk in what you've called me to walk in, the hope that you have for my life. And so today, I want to talk about letting go of fear, giving us three ways that we can walk in the peace and the joy that God has this December. Number one, if you're taking notes, is simply stand still. Stand still. Here's, here's what I know about fear is that I've experienced it in my own life, is that fear is paralyzing. And there's a big difference between standing still and not moving. Standing still is a place of trust and of hope that even when I don't know what's going on, God, I know that you're there, you're with me, and you're going to lead me every step of the way. But I think there's a, there's a paralyzing fear that causes us to feel like, you know what, I'd be better if I just retreated, if I moved back. As I thought about this idea, I was reminded of Kevin as he's running from the wet bandits and home alone. You remember when he's on the second story of his house? He's making way, his way up into the attic and one of the guys grabs his foot. But Kevin, it was like God was right there and brought the tarantula in front of Kevin, and Kevin reaches for the tarantula. He throws, you remember how, if you don't remember, well, hey, just watch this. Looking bullhorn. My name's Murphy. Watch, because you never know what's up there. There he is! Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Ah, I got you! I got him, Harry! I got him! Give me that Harry, get up! Give me a hand! Ow! I got him! Harry, help me! Get up! I got him! What are you doing, Marv? Harry, don't move. Marv? Don't move. Marv, what are you doing? Come on. Hi! Jeez! So frivolous! Did I get him? Shut up! Did I get him? So good. Listen, there's a big difference between don't move and stand still. Don't, don't move is paralyzing. Listen, you put a spider on me and tell me not to move, you're crazy. I'm moving. That's the way the Israelites were. 
as they stood in the face of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army behind them. The Israelites, you know what happens? They, they start complaining to Moses. Moses, we'd be better left off dead. We, we would be better in slavery. They were so paralyzed in the face of fear that they thought it would be better to go back to the painful place they were. Can I tell you, that's the way fear works in our life. The enemy tries to move us to a place in the past, a place of pain rather than moving everything that God has for us. But I love what God says to the Israelites as they're looking, staring down the Red Sea and, and Pharaoh's army coming behind. He says this in Exodus 14, 14. He says, don't be afraid. Stand your ground and you will see what the Lord will do to save you today. You will never see these Egyptians again. The Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is keep still. Keep still. Stand still. Man, the enemy is doing everything in our life to destroy us, to send us back to where we came from, to remind us of the pain in our life. But God's word to us this morning at Bay Chapel is stand still and trust God. I love, I listened to a message recently by Joyce Meyer. She said this, the best part of my testimony is this, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. Can I just bring hope to your life today? You're still standing. The enemy should have killed you while he had a chance because today you have new breath in your lungs. And as the sun rose, there was new mercy for you today. You say, you don't know what's going on in my marriage. Hey, let me tell you, stand still. Stand still. You don't know what's going on with my finances. Stand still and trust God. Whatever is going on in your life right now, you have something that every king in the past would dream of having today. A second chance. A new day. New mercy. Another opportunity to make a difference and live the life that God has called us to live. Stand still and trust God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. I'm reminded of what Ephesians 6 says when it says this, put on the full armor of God. Stand your ground against the enemy's schemes. And when you have done everything you can, stand, stand, stand. It's a position not of inactivity. It's a position of quiet confidence knowing that my strength is not in my ability to run. It's in my ability to trust that God is working all things for my good, even when I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to stand still. I saw another verse this week that connected with me, and I thought it would bring encouragement to you, Psalm 46. It's the Passion Translation. It's the verse that we know it. It says, be still and know that I am God. But I love what this says. It says, surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. Right, that's, that's a word for somebody in the house this morning. Stop striving. Let, let go of anxiety and trust and see that I'm working in your situation. Stand still. Number two, have faith. Have faith. Jesus, you know what he's looking for in our life? He's looking for an environment where people believe that God can do anything he says he can do. It reminded me this week of the story in Mark Chapter 5, where Jesus is ministering around the Sea of Galilee. And while he's ministering, a, a, a man, a religious leader in the synagogue comes up to Jesus. His name is Jairus. And he says, would you please come to my house? My daughter is sick. And Jesus begins to make his way with the disciples. But along the way, a servant comes 
to Jairus and says, it's too late, your daughter has died. Right there in the middle of that passage, Jesus speaks hope into them and he says this, don't be afraid, just believe. You know, I think he says the same word to us today because there's people in the room that feel like your dream is dead. You feel like your marriage has died. You, you feel like the hopes and dreams that God has for you haven't worked out the way that you expected. And God says, don't be afraid, just believe. He continues on to the house. And when he makes his way inside, there's all this crying and commotion, the Bible says. And Jesus looks at everybody in the room and he says, why, why all the commotion? Jairus' daughter is not dead, she's asleep. And they all begin to laugh and mock Jesus. And I love what happens next. Jesus does what only he can do. He kicks everybody out of the house. Jesus kicks everybody out of somebody else's house. I mean, only Jesus can get away with that. But he leaves a few of his disciples and her parents. And he looks down at that girl and he says, little girl, I say to you, get up. Could Jesus have raised that girl from the dead with everybody in the room? Absolutely. I think Jesus sent everybody out because he wanted people in the room that really believe he could do it. You know what he's looking for in our life? He's looking for people that really believe that God can do it. He's looking for a church, and I would propose that we would be a good one. He's looking for a church that really believes that God could turn New Tampa and Wesley Chapel upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is looking for a church that believes we could raise a generation of young people and teenagers who are going to serve God and follow Jesus passionately and win their schools and their city for Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he's looking for people that aren't so consumed with themselves but want to give and serve and make a difference. And every that realize the pastor isn't the minister. We're all ministers. That We have faith to believe that God could do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask. And I think Bay Chapel is a good starting place. Can somebody say amen in the room? Let's have faith to believe it. Let's have faith to believe it. I think there's moments where we struggle to have faith. Like my friends this week who made an announcement on Facebook. They moved to Tennessee last year with a dream to plant a life-giving church. And they had just planted their church a few months ago, Dustin and Sarah Wilson. And over the past several weeks, Sarah wasn't feeling well. And they said that her cough began to increase and just get so bad that they were concerned. When she started coughing, it was creating all this pain in her back. They went in and had some tests done, and they made an announcement this week that when they had the test done, they found that she had stage four cancer in her liver, her lungs, and all along her spine. There, you know, there's some things that you just can't understand. There's some things on, the, on this side of eternity that just don't make sense. Why, why two people that are giving their life to ministry and trying to make a difference for Jesus would experience that? Why anybody would. But I watched a video yesterday that filled me with so much faith as they sat together in the hospital room. And they said, we don't know how God is going to do it, but we believe that he can. We believe that God can heal, and he's going to heal. My faith was lifted I'm going to challenge us. If, if you think about that family, Dustin and Sarah Wilson, pray for them. They, they need a miracle from the Lord. 
Dustin and Sarah Wilson. I believe God's going to do it. And I'd love to celebrate the miracle that happens in her life. But there are moments where, you know what? It, it doesn't make sense. And it's hard to figure out what's going on. But those are the times we lean and go, God, I'm going to have faith even when I don't see, even when I struggle to believe. And number three, as we wrap it up this morning, we go forward. We stand still. We have faith. And we go forward. I love what it says about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11. It says this. It says, by faith, Moses left Egypt unafraid of Pharaoh's wrath. And he moved forward as though he could see the invisible God. I love it. It says, even in the face of danger, even in the face of all his fear, he trusted that God was for him, that God was ahead of him, and we're going to keep doing what God says we should do. That's what Joseph does. Look at Matthew chapter 1. It says, when, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He said, I don't know how it's going to work out, Wes. Keep moving forward. I don't see the answer inside. Keep moving forward. Stand still. Have faith. And trust that God is able to do it in Jesus' name. I don't know what that next step is for you. Maybe today you need to say yes to Jesus Christ for the first time. Maybe you needed to make a decision. You know what, God, I'm going to put you first in my life. I'm going to read my word every day. I'm going to go ahead and start that 2020 plan right now in December and get ahead of the game. I'm going to put God first daily. But whatever it is for you, take a step, move forward, have faith and believe that God is able. It's what Jason did about 10 weeks ago when he walked into this room for the first time. And he said yes to Jesus Christ. And over the last 10 weeks, God has completely transformed him and his family. I just wanted to close today by sharing his story. Check this video out. I'm Jason. And I'm Carrie. And we've been coming to Bay Chapel for about eight weeks now. I think it was nine weeks. <laughs> we just discussed this. Uh, I don't know. I heard eight. <laughs> That's perfect chemistry. <laughs> so I grew up a Jehovah Witness all the way up until the age of 18. I kind of had my brain wired to think a certain way until I, probably when my father ended up passing away, I felt something was missing spiritually. I knew it would be best for myself to see what else was out there. I had been going to church somewhere else, and Jason just said one day, I'm gonna start taking Sundays off so we can go to church. And I said, great. <laughs> I went to bed and I said a prayer, and there was a couple things that I prayed about. Uh, one of them was just plain and simple how to pray, because I only knew how to pray once and that was to Jehovah. And so the prayer I said that night, I didn't know if it was the right prayer or not. The next morning, when I decided I wanted to go check out Bay Chapel, I was sitting there in the sermon and Pastor Wes started talking about how we should pray and um, kind of answered some of the family questions I had and a light bulb clicked on and I knew that God was talking to me and he had put me there for a reason. It has totally changed my life since I've, I've accepted Jesus into my life. Every morning that I wake up, I, I feel that God is talking to me. I have these little dots that are connecting to different parts in my life and I'm super excited, you know, each day to, to wake up and learn something new about God. It's, 
It's like uh, opening a present, you know, every single day, um, learning something new. It's it's really really neat. There's nothing cooler than when you feel God speaking to you, and you hear that little voice, and He's showing you things that you never expected. It's it's really a neat feeling. My next step is to get baptized. I've made that commitment probably the second week that I was at Bay Chapel. I knew where I was supposed to be. I knew what I wanted to do in my heart. And so uh, from that point forward, I knew I was all in. Bay Chapel is life-changing. Bay Chapel is real. It was so fun this morning getting to celebrate as Jason took that step with several others and went public with his faith in Christ. And just remind you and encourage you this morning, the enemy's doing everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10, 10. But Jesus says this, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. I don't know about you, but I want to walk and I want to live in the abundant life that God has for me. I want to say goodbye to fear. I want to say goodbye to everything that is holding me back. And I want to run the race with perseverance that God has called us to run. If you believe it, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads and let's pray together.